0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast, I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into great directors, tabloid, and running with Beto in today's review episode. I can show you the world, just take a look through my Kind of a long intro, but we're going to talk about three different documentaries uh, in today's episode. I watched all of them uh, within the last day, and I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to talk about in today's episode. And I thought this would be a decent uh, sort of change of pace from what I've, uh, you know, from from just the rest of the things that I've been discussing. All the recent bigger movies that have come out and and, uh, things like that. And documentaries don't often make the podcast, and, and that's a shame, because there's some really great ones. Uh, not that these are necessarily really great, uh, um, but they are interesting, I think, and each one brings something a little different to the table and in their approach and in their subject matter, and uh, I think there's there's something worth checking out in each of them. And so I'm interested to just kind of touch on them a little bit. not going to get too detailed into them. You know, there's three of them. Uh, And so uh, we'll do that. And then Friday, uh, looking at some of the new movies coming out this weekend. uh, Friday might be an episode about Ready or Not, which opens today, uh, the release Wednesday. Uh, Or it could be uh, Angel Has Fallen, but unlikely. Uh, I doubt I'll have seen it early enough to, to record it in time for Friday's episode anyway. But maybe that one will be coming in the future. I hope not. I hope I don't have to do an episode on Angel Has Fallen. Because those movies are pretty awful. So, that being said. We're going to get into the first movie that we're going to discuss. And we're going to go through them in order that I watch them in. Uh, for sake of ease. But as soon as I get this troublesome cat out of my lap. There we go. Okay. Stop it. Okay. First up, first thing we're going to talk about is Great Directors. Great Directors came out in 2010. It's directed by Angela Ismailos. Ismailos? Ismailos? one of those, uh, and the idea behind Great Directors is that the director, Angela, uh, who in various sequences in the film is actually in it and, and interviewing some of these people, uh, she talked to 10 different directors, some of the best living directors at the time, and it wasn't anything specific she was looking into, I don't think, but she was kind of more interested in each of their uh, journeys as a director, how they came to direct, who they who influenced them, and, and how making their films has gone for them, and you know the difficulties that lie therein. I've been I've had this on my list for a while. I, I think any documentary that takes the time to talk to members of Hollywood, particularly directors, that Gives them a chance to discuss the movies that they made and how easy and or difficult they were. is worth is worth listening to. You know, these are the people who, you know, kind of do the heavy lifting in a lot of the way, in a lot of senses. Uh, Some of the people she talks to include Bernardo Bertolucci, David Lynch, Stephen Frears, Agnes Varda, Ken Loach. Todd Haynes, uh, Richard Linklater, John Sayles, as well as Liliana Cavani and Catherine Brayat Breillat? Brayat I think. Uh, most of those uh, names I was familiar with uh, at this onset of this documentary. A couple of them I wasn't really familiar with. Um, not necessarily not having seen any of their movies, but in some cases. But uh, just someone like... I don't know, someone like John Sayles is a name that if you said it to me, I would have recognized it but I wouldn't have been able to tell you the movies that he directed Uh, which is a shame, you know, John Sayles has directed uh, a lot of good movies Uh, I've only seen one movie that he's directed, but uh, if you look at his letterbox score and things like that he's got a couple of good ones that uh, at least the populace uh, tend to enjoy. Uh, including Matawan, Lone Star, City of Hope, The Secret of Rowan, Rowan Enish, and Passion Fish, among others. So John Sales, somebody I wasn't super familiar with at the time. But now, I have a little bit of a better understanding. So, Angela goes through, she talks to each of these directors, she gets their... Uh, insights on their careers, on the careers of their fellows and their, their um, compa- compa- companions and the people that worked alongside them, that worked before them, that worked after them that are on the rise. Uh, you know, some of these directors are fairly old and so we get a nice look back on the history of their career and the legacy that they've left behind. Some of them are far, are a little bit on the younger side. Uh, and so we get to see sort of their impressions of the now And what they hope for going forward. Uh, You know, Linklater is one of my favorite directors. I liked, I enjoy hearing him talk. I like hearing him talk about his movies and, you know, how his ideas sort of came to fruition and and the successes and failures that plagued him, especially in the early parts of his career. I think, uh, you know, David Lynch. Uh, might be the person who gets the most screen time in this, and I think with good reason. I'm not always a big fan of David Lynch's films, but what he t- when he talks about his films and then his films in relation to you know the other directors that exist and, and the other uh, how he worked on certain projects, uh, it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. I think he has such a strange mind, and uh, you really get to see the full brunt of it. In this doc- documentary, well, I guess not the full brunt, but a, a lot of many sides of it, uh, I think. Um, but I, uh, for me, I guess the 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 best part of a movie like this, a documentary like this, is when you watch so many movies, when you care about film, and, and, you know, I assume if you're listening to this that you care about film to a degree, I, you know, especially given, you know, I'm 27, I, you know, was born in the 90s, I, you know, most of these films that these people worked on, Some most of these directors were working before I was even born, and it's tough to find the, the it's tough to put yourself in a position of of understanding what was really going on uh, when some of these movies were being made. Even movies made in the 90s and and even the early thousands, I have a difficult have a difficult time sort of understanding like where these positions are coming from and why a movie was made the way it was. And and even if I can understand those things, it's even further removed from the impression of like, man, what must it have felt like to be the first person to be in part of the first group of people to see something like Memento, to see something like Star Wars, to see something, you know, like the like Titanic, you know, how what must the buzz have been at that time when those movies were out, when when people were getting to experience these strange wonderful new things for the first time. And any time there's something that is giving me that small bit of information, that small bit of Attachment and proximity to those feelings, to those events, to those expressions. I'm so enthralled by it. Uh, Documentaries on film, documentaries on uh, directors or actors or particular movies, you know, those are very, very captivating for me. Uh, And just getting to see behind the scenes, getting to see the thought process that's going through someone's head, you know, there's a sequence uh, where. Ken Loach talks about his fighting when he was younger, you know, working with the BBC. There's a little bit of a sequence where they contrast working in in England and working in the States and working for the BBC. And Ken Loach specifically talks about how, you know, the movies that he made early on were very politically driven. Uh, And and I think think someone says at one point that all movies are, are political, and that could be true but he specifically talks about you know i made he made this movie because it it means something about this social issue about this political issue and it pushes forward an agenda and and how he continues to he wants to see he wants to use his camera he wants to use the media that he's creating and and the films that he is Creating to influence people to show how you can address problems to show how you can you can change someone's views on on you know with just with just a movie with just a movie Uh, and then Stephen Frears talking about you know the difference between working in the UK and working in America Uh, you know he he says at one point he says something about how everyone, every British filmmaker is making a movie about, you know, being British, and to a degree, you know, he came over you know, he made some films over in England, he came over to America, made more movies here, and went back to England, but uh, you know, he kind of, I don't know, I forget the exact words he used, but he, he, he ultimately ends up, you know, kind of Jokingly, but not exactly jokingly, bad mouthing Hollywood in a sense, and just the the method of of making those movies. I think even Ken Loach, refer, like, they ask Ken Loach if he's ever seen you know like a big blockbuster from America, and he's like, no, I have no interest in that stuff, and that, that's so fascinating. And and he admits, you know, that so many people enjoy those movies, you know, outside of America, and it's obvious, you know, movies making. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars made in America, but making that money outside of the country, and it's it's fascinating because you know I I I've, I hear all these directors and all these writers and, and actors and people involved in movie making either not necessarily just through this documentary but on Twitter and on articles and on interviews and so forth talk about how. You know, these dozen movies influenced the one I made. Or I was really paying attention to this person's role in this movie to, you know, instruct and teach myself to play this character in my movie. And I I always think, you know, man, like, these people must watch so many movies. They must spend so much time, you know, learning the craft and, and picking up how, you know, all their, you know, competitors and allies and friends are working in the industry. And I would assume, and I guess maybe wrongly so, but I, you know, maybe Ken Loach is kind of the 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 exception, that if you're watching everything, you know, there'd be you know, there's so many movies out there, you can't possibly see everything. I'm you know, as someone who's trying, I, I know I can't see everything, but Certainly, you know, the bigger movies, the ones that are really capturing the attention of hundreds of millions of people, of thousands of billions of people around the world, like how do you avoid those, right? Like you may have no interest in the MCU, you may have no interest in in Jurassic Park and Jurassic world, but you know, these are movies making billions of dollars and I, I, it's kind of fascinating that someone could, Someone who is so entrenched in the industry, someone who is so entrenched in filmmaking and film and directing, and who you know wants to see wants to use uh, his films for with a political agenda, can avoid something can avoid the the films that do reach probably the number of people that he wants them to reach. And so there are a lot of things like that, a lot of approaches, a lot of angles. Uh, you know, when they talk, when she talks to. Agnes Varda and and Catherine Brayat about the you know the films that they made and you know the censorship involved and and the path that Varda paved coming up and her throughout her career and you know I just it's so fascinating I, I love that side of of Hollywood and of film and of in of the whole industry and anytime you know I don't think Great Directors is a great movie I think it's fine. It doesn't really break any new ground, but just, just hearing these stories, I think, it is really interesting and uh, worth checking out. Uh, all these movies, all three of these documentaries are on Amazon in some form or another, uh, if you're interested. And uh, great directors from 2010. So let's swing way over to the other side of, of documentary filmmaking with tabloid. Uh, this is another film from 2010. This one is directed by Errol Morris, very famous, uh, very popular, very recognizable documentarian. He worked on *The Thin Blue Line*, *The Fog of War*, *The Unknown Known*, uh, and others. Many other films that he has received much critical acclaim for. He won. Uh, uh, he's won best documentary film at the Oscars. You know he's he's got a lot going on. Tabloid follows a story that I was absolutely unfamiliar with I did not know anything about this story About these people And so it was quite a ride Quite a ride to experience The gist of that is the film revolves around Joyce McKinney If you aren't familiar with Joyce McKinney She is a former Miss Wyoming beauty pageant winner From many years ago uh, and she was charged with abducting and imprisoning a young man, uh, at the I mean, who was the same age as her at the time, uh, who was also a Mormon missionary. So that in and of itself is a pretty compelling premise, I would say. Morris manages to get McKinney in the present. Uh, To talk in front of his camera. And a couple of other people who were involved throughout the way. And a couple of the tabloid journalists that followed her story from the start of it until decades later. And what I think is so fascinating about this is how absolutely bonkers bizarre the narrative is, if you can even call it a narrative. So, my impression, though, is that Morris was really focusing on the way that the story was being told. He titled this documentary Tabloid. He looks at, I think he's more focused on the perception of the Joyce McKinney story than the actual story itself. On the other hand, he gives so much screen time to McKinney talking about herself and talking about her own story that it's tough to think that that's not also, you know, a big part of this this documentary. And to hear her tell it is just—I mean, it's captivating. She's clearly, uh, you know, I don't know how to say this without sounding insulting, but. She's very much not all together, and and a lot of the things she says are kind of ridiculous, and some of the things she says are, you know, absolutely ridiculous. You know, she tells the story, and from her perspective, it was just this man who she was, uh, you know, engaged to marry, was, you know, loved her. She loved him. And then his Mormon family, his Mormon friends and, and the church and whatnot took him away from her. She went after him and they both tried to run away. And this part of the story is maybe half an hour of the movie, maybe 45 minutes. And then we kind of move past it to a greater story, which mostly focuses on Joyce McKinney, who was imprisoned, got out of prison, uh you know, went all around the world, changed her name, changed what she did. Uh, you know, they find her, do, you know, across in in other countries, doing this, that, and the other thing. They have pic- photographic evidence of her doing things that she outright denies, both back at the time and even still today, she denies having done. Uh, cloning comes into this story, uh, which it it it's fascinating it's really fascinating from a just jaw hanging open where is this going next and as i've seen a lot of people put it you never feel like you know what really happened because every time you Nate morris puts somebody else on the screen it completely changes you know the truth of the situation and it, it, it's it's such a br- brilliant and frustrating approach to information, and you know maybe that's that's the point of it at the at the heart of things, is information at its at its core is only as good as you interpret it, and. McKinney herself is is hardly a reliable narrator in this story. Uh, she might be the most unreliable person in this story, but that's not to say that she's the only unreliable person in this story. There are a lot of people involved in this that uh, you know have different interests at heart. You know, there's a part a moment where you know two different tabloid magazines are both reporting on the same exact story. One from and and yet they're coming at it from two absolutely contrasting nothing in common angles and it's it's how does that how does something like that happen how is that even possible how is that remotely feasible to achieve in a you know when you have people literally and physically going to these things and going to these places and talking to these people and they come away with two absolutely different stories it's it, it just it boggles the mind how how something like that could happen and something like that could take place. Um but I, I I don't it's um I know it's so it's off the rails and uh Joyce McKinney, every conversation, every every interview, every moment that she is on the screen is gold. It's absolutely gold. You cannot look away. It is really, really fascinating. Uh, she describes um, being attacked by a dog at one point, and to hear her describe it, uh, it sounds like uh, there's a zero percent chance that she could survive this attack from this dog, and yet she looks fine. And, and it just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's so hyperbolic. That you can't even you can't even like take it with a straight face, and and somehow she's able to say it with a straight face, and that in and you know that adds a whole other layer to to the confusing elements of of this story and and what really happened and if anything happened and and. I don't know. It's it's really, really strange and very, very funny. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think if you're going to watch one of these three documentaries, this is the one I would suggest. This is the one that's going to be the most enjoyable, the most interesting, the most entertaining. Arrow Morris knows how to make a documentary. He's very, very good at it. And whether or not I think he gets a little distracted and... and Separated in his uh, intentions with this, which I think he does. uh, I still think that this is the most compelling. The most I need to see more of this. I have to know how this story continues. What happens? What happens? What happens? What happens? Uh, So, I tabloid is it's just bizarre. It is just bizarre. I don't know how, how else to explain it. It's very, very strange um yeah uh tabloid from 2010 directed by Errol Morris okay, bringing up number three the final film today's episode is a 2019 film directed by David Modigliani uh it's the only feature film he's directed uh assume the only documentary and that's running with Beto 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 Beto. Gotta say it right. Running with Beto, uh, following Beto O'Rourke during his uh, bid to unseat Ted Cruz in the U.S. Senate back in 2018, the documentary follows you know the first couple hundred days before um, the, the the election, and mostly just focuses on the campaign. And you know they start out with. Very little name recognition, you know, not really a brand to work with. And Beto goes around and talks to a bunch of people. That, you know, we get to see his grassroots campaign and uh, parts of his, you know, his interviews and behind the scenes and, and his family and how this is impacting all these people and some of the people working for him and what they're doing. And uh, it's, it's pretty... I don't know on the one hand, I think it's fairly standard stuff. Uh, you know, I don't think there's much in this that if I told you, you or, or that you know, going into it, I wasn't surprised by. You know, how do you get from effect- effectively being someone who no one knows to someone who actually stands a chance of, of taking out, uh, someone like Ted Cruz in a Senate from a Senate seat in Texas, you know, like that takes a lot. And to get there, you have to be very, very uh, passionate about your campaign. You have to be very much uh, involved. You have to be on the, you know, out, as they say, out in the streets, out, you know, talking to everyone you can, trying to find a connection, trying to find a, Talking point that can make. Make your you know put you get your message out there and. I, you know running with Beto doesn't I, I, I feel like it hides some of the warts. I'm sure you know the, the this paints a very very pretty picture of the campaign and how you know. Knowing what happens at the end, how that's really the only thing that goes wrong for him. and I think that's ca- gotta be wrong. You know, I wasn't following the race. I probably count me as among the people who never thought he really never thought he would win. Uh, I think he did far better than anyone would have expected, but it's still you know, it did not happen, and I'm disappointed in that, but. It is what it is, and now Beto's running for president. Uh, we'll see if that works, uh, if even you know how far he gets in that process, and and so forth. But um, I don't know. I think if all this was meant to do is kind of illuminate Beto O'Rourke and and kind of show more people who he is and. Uh, what his drive is, and and where his passion comes from, and the commitment that he has, I think it does that. I think you really get a sense of you know this isn't just a. I don't know. He he's not just doing things to do them. There's a sequence where he talks to with uh, some of the surviving students from a school shooting in Santa Fe, and we see them on their way to meet him, and one of the students, or I don't know if he's a student, but he's a leader in you know anti-gun activism and and um, so forth and he mentions how you know it's great that Beto's meeting with them it's great that he's going to talk with them but at the end of the day the question is is he meeting with them because he wants to or because he's campaigning and you know I think that's you know, as much as you want to love the politicians who are very personable, the ones who, you know, you want to love a Barack Obama or you want to love this person or that person, whoever your politician that you love is, because of the things they do and because of, you know, the way they act, there's always that seeds those seeds of doubt that these people are only acting that way because they know that it works, because they know that it's effective, because they know that they can, you know, get their more attention out to to what they're doing and that's a scary thing. That's one of the scary parts of politics. You, you, once someone's elected, and even in the, during the process where they're attempting to be elected, you, if you don't know that person personally before they've started campaigning, you will never know that person personally. It, I, I sincerely believe that. I think even the, the strongest and, and most res, resolute Members of Congress uh, of, of any part of politics It changes you it, it undoubtedly changes you And you change for it And so I think Running with Beto Tries to show the guy behind all of that To a small degree And I think that would have been a far more interesting Documentary than what we end up getting But the guy that is running, the guy that we see, and, and the guy that you know we see viral clips of, and the guy that you know debated Ted Cruz, and the guy that nearly beat him, it's a nice guy, I'll admit. I, I think he's a good guy. He seems like he's got a smart head on his shoulders, and he genuinely cares about this stuff, but I don't know. I, I think it would have been more interesting to really try to see who he was uh, before, because we really only see him during the campaign. and even during his like exasperated home life scenes, uh, you know, it's all got politics hanging over it. You know he talks about how he doesn't really watch TV. He doesn't watch news on TV uh, because he doesn't, you know, whether that's Fox, whether that's CNN, whatever it is. And uh, those are the moments that sort of pick at it, sort of sort of touch and, and glance across. Uh, What I think would have been more interesting as a subject. But for what it is, I think there's... I don't know. I I was into it. I I think it was okay at best. But there is something to be said for showing this side of things. You know, showing... I think the strength of this comes from the people who aren't Beto. and, And, you know, it's running with Beto. So it's these people around him who believe in him, who support him, and, and seeing the way that they feel at throughout this process, and, and watching their reactions, and their response as the movie progresses, I think that is the key element of Running With Beto, and, and, and I think that's why it would be worth checking out. So, that is Running With Beto 2019 David Medigliani, Three films, Three very very different documentaries, uh, great directors, tabloid and running with Beto. That's it though. That's it. Uh, check out documentaries. If you've never seen documentaries, if you're not a big fan, there's going to be some out there that you enjoy. Yeah, whether it's something like tabloid, that's you know kind of a true crime sort of thing. Whether it's you know showing you things you haven't seen from real life events like running with Beto. Whether it's interviews with you know, public figures who talk about their craft uh, like great directors. There are so many different types of documentary, and so many that I think deserve recognition and deserve to have, to be talked about in uh, in the same breath as as you know narrative based films. So, yeah, watch a documentary. That's it. Just watch a documentary. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. I do appreciate it. If you would like to find more episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, other places where podcasts can be found, or you can head over to circleoffilm.com for all the episodes and other things uh, affiliated with this show. You can find me, get in touch with me right into the show, Twitter at Circle of Film, email, circleoffilm, email circleoffilm@gmail.com, at gmail.com, or find me on Letterboxd at circleoffilm.com. If you would like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, uh, tell people about it. It helps me, uh, and it helps keep the show active and alive. Or, if you're feeling particularly benevolent, you can head over to patreon.com slash circleoffilm and become a patron for as little as 8 cents an episode, uh, which will give you early access to all episodes that have early access to them, uh, and uh, there's more for more. Thank you once again and as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same, good night i know she'll never leave me even as she fades from view so long farewell i'll be to say adieu nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long farewell. Oh what are we to say? Wait a minute, wait a minute wait a minute so long.